This message is brought to you by IOM America. Hi, my name is Steve Fay and I am the ministry host. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and we hope you are blessed by this message today. Okay, we want to welcome our online listeners and we particularly want to give a special welcome to the IFEL online school members. This is very, very exciting, guys. Today's message is titled Repentance. It is number six, part two. Now, I've been in ministry a very long time. At least that's how it's felt for me. I was saved when I was 16 years of age. I was counseling, almost a full counseling schedule by the time I was a senior in high school. That's not uncommon. There's a lot of people who after they do get saved in their youth, God sends lots of people to them. I didn't even know how to read and write until I was 21. That did not stop God from saying, give it away. You don't need education for transformation. You need the life of Jesus Christ. If you happen to be in one of those countries that you don't have teachers to teach you how to read, don't sweat it. If we can get you a teacher to teach you how to read, we'll do it as best as we can. Because reading the Word of God brings to remembrance the Word that is in Side you already because the word of God is not a book it's a life so even uns- unsaved people that freshly become saved can start ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ instantly there's no passage in the entire Bible that says get saved and get educated Nowhere. As our African friend says, you Americans grow your children up to go to college. We grow our children up to be warriors under the Lord. To battle under the Lord, I believe, is, is the term that he used. To advance the kingdom of God. Complete different focus here. The Word of God is alive and it lives inside you. And once you become born again, that life lives and indwells you. And you can share it instantly. But those who will not share what you've heard this morning, those seeds will fall on the wayside. And they'll do. This sermon will do absolutely nothing for you. And the percentages of that are the exact percentages that are given to us in the Word of God. Few even make it to heaven. Few are on that road. The road is broad to destruction and many are on it. That same rule applies to the church. This guy doesn't make me feel good. Turn him off. Good. See, I only want to speak to people who want to hear the truth that want to be set free. I don't want to tickle ears. I don't want to soak your feet in ointment. I want to get you back on the path 
to carry out the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ as soon as we can. It's like a training a warrior. You get them on their feet again as quick as possible to get them back out into the field. We are soldiers of the cross, I believe is the term that Paul used. We are equippers of soldiers. I am a commanding type that likes to equip, train, boot camp, so we can send them out to be workers of the cross. Not for me, or you, for Jesus Christ. There are, well, I think most of us go through these phases in our lives where we go, I will not. So if the disciple hears the biblical counsel and the word of God concerning repentance but makes a clear decision not to repent, then clear and direct warning should be given. Those of you who are studying this course to become true in-house or in-office disciplers, listen to this very, very carefully. If the disciple hears the biblical counsel and the word of God, the life of God, through Christ concerning repentance, but makes it clear they are not going to repent, then clear and direct warning should be given. Such warning must be clearly spelled out, for example, in the principle of John that I'm going to read you right now. This is the judgments coming from John chapter 3, 19 through 21. This is the judgment, New Testament, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates light. Everyone. Me. Billy Graham. Pastor down the street. The janitor next door. Every one of us who makes the decision not to respond to clear counsel is saying, I hate light. And I think that's one of the 225 names of Jesus. I hate Jesus. And that's pretty strong, isn't it? Because deep down inside we're saying, no, I don't hate him. I don't hate him. And what does John oftentimes say in his writings? Then don't sin. But see, that is a war within every one of us. The war of the flesh waging war against the spirit and the spirit waging war against the flesh. No, God doesn't send us to hell because we're fighting this war. It's a part of the discipleship process. For all of us. Just embrace it. Just get your arms around and say, Oh, it hurts. And embrace it. And it will grow you. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds, work, may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Or brought, ushered, lived out through God in Christ Jesus. That's what we want. But if sin is really saying I love darkness and darkness says I hate the light. And so when we practice those things we just need to see the clear doctrines with it. That's all. We have to see the clear doctrines. 
Self-condemnation, oh boy, if I, seriously, if I had a donation every time I suffered with a counselee or someone, you know, online, offline, who just does this condemnation thing, uh, the church would be wealthy, folks. Because see, Satan wants us to feel self-condemnation because when you're in the middle of self-condemnation, you are going to reject your leader. That's the facts. If you're a child, you're going to reject your parents. Self-condemnation closes the door to leadership. That's it. Don't ever forget that. And when you start beating yourself, and I believe Christ paid that beating, that penalty, that cost for you, so you wouldn't self-condemn. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is real stuff that's being given to us here. This reality is the only possible outcome of rejecting the light and life of Christ, our husband, our savior. And that's self-condemnation. That's what blocks it. When you do this, oh, woe is me, I'm telling you, everything, and even with my own oh, woe is me stuff, everything inside me is fighting to shut my mouth. Because growing up a spoiled child by my mother, I know what spoiled children act like. For myself, and then when someone else is suffering with it. A spoiled child is saying, I just chose to sin, and I am beating myself so that you won't beat me. It's all right. No, it's not. There's nothing right about a child feeling sorry for themselves. There's nothing right about a body Christ member feeling sorry for themselves. There's nothing right about it because what they're really asking you to do is would you please put some candy coating on my flesh? You're not getting an M&M &M here. There's no chocolate in the center. This person is bitter. And they're asking their pastor, their teacher, their counselor, their father, their mother to put some candy coating on their flesh. I'm not sure that's a good idea. Because the next person that bites into them is going to get some real bitterness. You see, when you've been slapped two or three times, when you've been persecuted, when you've been defamed, when you've been brought to the bottom so many times, and the only thing people can get out of you is, I would love to minister to you. There's evidence there of life and proof of righteousness in spite of their weaknesses. So these types of individuals are what we refer to as emergent believers. Emergent believers like to claim that they are Christians but are not necessarily indwelt believers. DK, would you please tell us what an indwelt believer is? Okay. So the Holy Spirit is not externally working on them. He's living inside. So remember this. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who think they're Christians because the Holy Spirit is on the outside leading them to salvation. 
And they think they're already saved. Because they sense the Holy Spirit. They're not indwelt yet. Satan loves that group. Oh boy, does he love that group. Because they're going to hell. If he can just keep them entertained in darkness. And despise the light. If he just can keep them in that, I think you know you're saved, huh? And the truth being said, it's second-hand Christianity. If you hang around a Christian who is very righteous because of the life of Christ, you're going to have a better life. That's the facts. You hang around Christians, you have a better life. Why does the world go to hell in and, and seven years after the rapture? Is because the presence of Christians are gone. There's no evidence of righteousness anywhere. It takes seven simple years to turn this entire world and its complete history into the dumper. Why? Because he takes you guys out of the way. Brings him back to the, our husband, Jesus Christ. You take the Holy Spirit's presence out of a service. You take the Holy Spirit's presence out of a counseling session. You take the Holy Spirit's presence out of any discussion and death will result. It's not about size of congregations or families or anything else. It is about life. That's what it's about. They taste and are enlightened by the Holy Spirit, but they have never been led to ingest, digest, ingest for digest the life of Christ. It is like putting your favorite dessert in your mouth, enjoying the taste, and then spitting it out. There's a demonic doctrine in our medical world, which I refuse to call it a label. And what is it? Bulimia. They eat, 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 eat for the indulgence of the flesh and they have only an hour to get that stuff out of their system, throw it up, spit it out, so it has no effect on their body. It's demonic doctrine. It's been around for longer than, than Twiggy, believe me. It is a massive problem in the world today, anorexia and bulimia. I'm not making light of what's happening. I'm just telling you, it's been around for a long time. It's demonic doctrine that God has tried to say to his church, listen carefully. Those who use diets like it's some kind of external redemption are going to be caught in a snag. Well, Satan's doing the same thing to Christians all over the world. They get the chocolate in their mouth and they just indulge in all of the church services and the music services and all the stuff and they throw it up on Monday. Maybe even Sunday night. It's providing no internal change of reformation. Because it's spiritual bulimia. What's going to happen? Bulimics always go anorexic. They just quit eating. Because I won't go into the science of what bulimia does to your stomach and digestive system. But I'm telling you, it will move you to anorexia. It's a trap. 
And Satan is bounded into our bodies and it doesn't come from what is bound in the body. It came from a spiritual technique he uses. Now let's give it a medical label and give them medicine. Let's stick them in treatment centers and have them struggle with it for the next 30 years of their life. There's a good one. And pay an average, bulimic, will pay an average of a couple hundred thousand dollars trying to treat something that is spiritual. We've been duped. We have been duped by the University of Pergamum. The Healing Society. Closing with this. We have this U-turn. Those of you who are listening in the audio, remember these slides are available. This is a diagram we're looking at. It's called the U-turn of repentance. And it starts out with an honest appraisal. So, a technique, I hate to say it's a technique, but it, it has become a technique of Christian or Christ's life discipleship, is some of you who know me quite well, I don't pray before I eat. I don't lead every counselee into a prayer at the end of the session. I oftentimes won't even pray to close a service unless it, unless it does something for someone in the room or I am given the unction to do so. That's how serious I take prayer. You see, I don't want rote prayers to just kind of put a little seal on the back of the envelope. When we pray, we're going before the throne of God. And we're asking Him to, to do a work that He is going to do if you're praying in the Spirit. We have stuffed so many things into our diet as Christians. It's not doing anything for us anymore. It's junk food. And God is wanting to lead us to authenticity of prayer and reading the Word and speaking to one another and church structure ends on and on and on by the Spirit. But I'll tell you what, when I do pray, I am in it. 100% full on, I am in it with full belief. I've seen the dead raised. Believe it or not, I have. I've seen the dead raised. I saw a guy walk on water. I've seen things from around the world and even in my own tiny little sphere that are just too difficult to explain. Because I believe. But I don't believe I have the gift of healing. I have the gift of raising the dead. I have these things. I just believe God. If he says it, well, well who am I to question it? Who am I to debate it or write a new translation about it? Or to try to interpret what he said, what he meant? He is who he is. I am not who he is. And if he says it, it just needs to be accepted. And once you accept the word of God for what it is, you have an honest appraisal. First thing that needs to happen is a change of thoughts. I was wrong. First thing needs to, the second thing that needs to happen is the will. Change of will. I will choose to repent or turn. Next, change of feelings. You actually start feeling better as you're repenting. And then change of conduct. 
you're really excited and the conduct is beginning to change. Keep in mind that's when the enemy goes, not too quickly. He's going to be there to try to trip us up. And then the confession and restitution. If, if the brokenness between you and God has affected a human relationship, you need to go and reconcile with them. Then you have to restitute, not just, well, I'm sorry what I did. No, it's I was wrong for the sin of lay it out there in front of them. Will you please forgive me? And by the way, I want to restitute this thing. When I told you that story when my discipler in Denver sent me all the way back to Iowa to reconcile with my father for what I did to him, not what he did to me, I don't believe you should ever bring someone else's sin up. Ever. Unless it is a discussion God puts together. Then I'm more than willing to talk about it. So in reconciliation, he sends me back to Iowa from Denver. And I sit down with my father. I go over this list of 18 items that I committed against him. And I look over at my father and he's crying for the first time I've seen in my entire childhood, my entire life to that point. He is crying. He looks at me and says, where do you get this kind of love? So I told him. He brought up his sin a couple times and I said, that's not why I'm here. I don't need to hear about your sins. Because people oftentimes, when you're restituting with them, make up excuses on why they hurt you. I don't want to hear it. I'm here to talk to you about my list. Well, he forgave me. We hugged each other. And there was true life upon life application. That act slowly but for surely led my father to Christ. My discipler said, I want you to send a card to your father once a week for a year. Just... Don't preach at him. Just share your life. I did that for a year. And I decided on my own to do it for another year. Two years later, my mother calls me and she says to me, Stephen, your father is never going to tell you this. But I have to tell you. I thought, wow, it's serious. Well, it was. Keith told me on year number one, the end of the first year, to write out the gospel and to finish it with a salvation prayer. Some of you who know me know how compelled I am about writing prayers. The book of prayers is a result of this. I believe it's critical that most people need to, I need to assume that most people are clueless on how to pray. So you need to write it out for them to kind of help them get into that flow and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Well, that's why I write those prayers. Every service, every counseling session, I'll have them available. They're there. But it's for the Holy Spirit, not for me. I don't need a little stamp of approval saying you, you went through phase one in your session and you closed it. You sealed it with a quality prayer. I am not against prayer. I believe prayer changes everything. But it better be by the unction of the Holy Spirit within you. I'm joining the Holy Spirit in this transformation. This is true repentance. Restoration is a part of it. If you resist one point, you threw the whole thing out the window. If you make deals with God, well, I'm not going to go talk to my dad. That's one thing I will not do. Eh, done. 
Next. He'll wait for the next time, which could be five years, two years, one year, one week. He doesn't put candy on your flesh. If you're not willing to go through the whole U-turn, that 1% is going to throw you completely off. Restitution is the most difficult homework assignment in the entire Christian world. While I was on that mission with my dad, Keith said this to me, I want you to go to that gas station owner that is a mile from where your folks live, and I want you to knock on his door and confess these sins of stealing from him for all these years when you were a kid and seek his forgiveness and have money ready to pay what you believe, what he thinks is the restitution fee. I did that. Drove up to that little gas station in the country. I knocked on his house, which was right next to the gas station. He came to the door and he was as old as Moses. And uh, I said, do you remember me? And immediately he says, of course I remember you. I'm like, And so I went through this list at his door. He is like lit up. And I get through the whole list. I said, would you please forgive me for all the stealing and violating of your leadership, your authority. When I covered it just like it was covered with me. He said, you are forgiven. And I said, I, I want to pay you back. I know neither one of us probably can come up with the number, but I will pay any number that you consider to be restitution. He's standing there. I can still see it in my mind. He's about this tall, pure white. He's standing there. He's going. It's like he's adding numbers. I'm like, oh, this isn't is good. I'm waiting and you know he goes you owe me nothing you're forgiven that man knew the power of the cross so true restitution on their end is you owe me nothing but if he would have said I need a thousand bucks from you I needed to be willing to pay it to complete the U-turn do you understand that he would go on the top of my bill list not my phone company. That's top priority. Restitution from God. Not your phone bill. That is a complete U-turn that will change character in God's way. These are just a couple of the diagrams that are out of our online manual, discipleship manual, that you can view completely in an iPad fashion. You can view it completely in just a regular PC computer. If you go to our website, you click on the download page. I'll have this manual sitting right there in front of you. Click on, on review. It'll open it up to your full screen size and you can page through 283 diagrams that are focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. As you know, these diagrams are very soon are going to be connected to a textbook. 
And as you cover this, mouse over this word in your textbook, online textbook, it will take you to these diagrams. Our goal is to get you teaching this absolutely as soon as possible. It is also most common with the unrepentant type to not repent because of their friendship with worldly friends or with the world itself. There is a stark reality with those who choose friendship with the world over Christ. They become the enemy of God. In fact, hostile. It says in James 4, chap, uh, James chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not know that the scriptures speak to no purpose? Quote, unquote, he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. If you think this is about God making you feel better, you don't understand the full gospel. This is about God having relationship with the Holy Spirit inside you. We get to join that fellowship. We're not the fellowship. Point. And these sins get in the way. It puts God in the position of having to say this. He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. I basically hear from that, Steve. This isn't about you. I love you and I care for you and I want to have a dynamic relationship with you. But I won't have a relationship with you unless it's through the Holy Spirit. That's how conservative I am, Stephen. If you think God's going to have some kind of an emergent relationship with you through some kind of Muslim God or some kind of Buddha God, you are really deceived. God will not have relationship with us but only through one God. Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus Christ say the same thing to us? No man comes unto the Father but by me. You see, our relationship with Christ is that passageway of relationship. But God is interested in the Holy Spirit inside of us. Which he put inside of us because he loves us. And wants to spend eternity with us. We literally become the bride of Christ because of that. So he does care for us. He did redeem us. But for God, it's about his trinity. Stephen, this is about my son and my Holy Spirit that I made to dwell in you. That's about it. Now you can say what Paul said. <laughs> How simple is that? Oh, dear Lord, teach us this. When you encounter a believer like this, there is a procedure, and that's prayer, and don't reject him. You keep opening up the hand and offering that extended love and concern, and I want to minister to you. Turning and burning, this is a page that you can look at on our website. It's the details of what it means to consider and then to actually turn. That is REP-103-A. That's the diagram number. I'll say it one more time. REP-103-A. Put that in the search engine. It will take you to that diagram. Okay, questions and comments. But I want to make this statement before we have DK come and sing to us. But trust this. 
This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law. For they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a fra uh, fractious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning and being self-condemned. You hang out with anyone who's into self-condemnation and uh, you're going to get all of their ramifications on you. Self-condemning people are not healthy people to hang around. Not at all. To maintain confidence in all this stuff that we're talking about, you got to hang around people who are not into self-condemnation. We want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, log on to www.iomamerica. That's iomamerica.org. Thank you for listening. Run your car on the side of the road, get stuck in a ditch, swing out in the middle of nowhere. Oh man, I've been there. Or get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare